They say that the greatest teachers are those who, 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 are those who can take what is complicated because they know the subject and can make it simple. And uh, they're the ones who uh, can get you to the bottom line. Or when you ask the question, okay, this is great, but so what? They're able to answer uh, those questions. Well, God called Paul, who was this great thinker, this great scholar, this great uh, biblical theologian, uh, to make simple the gospel. Paul wrote Romans to clearly spell out history itself, what history itself is about. God's reconciling of a broken world and broken people uh, to himself. And so... Paul makes simple. He brings everything, all of history, and, and the, the, uh, the purpose of the whole Bible down to this book, the book of Romans, to explain to us uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in the very first chapter of Romans, that's going to connect, and I've got to quote this verse to connect us to the text that we're getting ready to, to go to. In the very first chapter he says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel, this good news, Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now what Paul is going to do is he's going to expand on that statement in verses 16 and 17 in our passage today to show that the the gospel was not only for the Jews but it was for the Gentiles and the Jews because you see the Jews looked to their own circumcision as the mark of being the very people of God. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is that long before, 14 years before, Abraham received the sign of the righteousness already imputed to Abraham. Abraham was converted. God called him 14 years uh, before that sign. So, this is what our text is going to deal with. And, uh, but you see, the Jews looked to their circumcision as what it meant to be Jewish, to be the people of of God. They looked to the sign and not to whom the sign pointed to. They looked to the seal, but not to what the seal pointed to. And so as we, uh, re- as we read our text this morning, uh, here, here's my question to you. If you are baptized, if you're a member of the church, is that what you look to as your salvation? Is that what really identifies you with the people of God and with God himself? Are you trusting in your baptism? Are you trusting in your denomination? Are you trusting in your baptism plus your good works? Are you trusting in the one to whom these signs and seals point to? Because those are the ones, Jews and Gentiles, who are sons and daughters of Abraham. Very clear in our text. So uh, turn with me to our text this morning. 
We are in Romans chapter 4, verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? Or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Now how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the righteousness would be counted to him being circumcised, so so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who were not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Nothing amazes me more than a, than a man who chooses a woman to be his bride. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, our son, uh, Ben, is uh, in this process right now. He is getting married on December the 18th to Karen. But I can remember, even as, as a little uh, young boy, uh, thinking about the woman that I would choose one day. And I would, I would think uh, uh, of her being alive and that she was in a family and that she was learning and growing. And, and I would think about this. So who, who would be this person who would respond to my call and we could live life together and to be a partner uh, together and live this, uh, uh, this uh, life of, of adventure Well, two rings come into play when a man finds the love of his life, right? He finds her. And uh, you, you uh, young girls uh, know this. The first thing he should do uh, is uh, bring you a, an engagement ring, right? And so he gets on his knees in private and he, he makes this, this pledge and he, said, and he asks, would you, would you marry me? And, and if you're lucky, you get a great, a great diamond. And that diamond is the first ring. And uh, it is given in private. And that's romantic. And, uh, well, it should be. And so she decides to receive that ring. And when she does, what that ring says is, all hands off. Uh, and you've given that ring uh, as the guy to say, hey, all hands off. This is, this is, the, one, this is the one I've chosen. And, and she happily says, this is the man who I've chosen to respond to. It's an awesome thing, isn't it? Well, then there's a second ring that comes. And that second ring that comes is the wedding ring. And it's not done in private. It's done in public. And the man and the woman themselves stand before God on their own two feet, facing one another, making vows. And after the vows that they take, which are, we're, we're going to be committed in joy and sorrow, in sickness 
in health, in plenty and in need. After they say these vows, I'll ask, are there tokens of your love? And, uh, and so then they exchange the rings and, and they say this, this ring I give thee in token and pledge of our constant faith and abiding love. But before you get the ring, there's the love that's already there. The rings are given as pledges to something that's already happened. It's not like, okay, you give somebody a ring and say, well, you love me now. This, in essence, is what Paul is saying in our text. You see, the Jews are finding their identity as God's people through the sign and the seal that God gave Abraham years after he was converted as the sign and seal of God's faithfulness to bring a righteousness to them uh, by faith. And so when the Jews uh, hear Paul beginning to state that a man is not justified by the sign, but justified by faith, a person is not a, a, a believer because they have the sign, but that the sign ultimately points to Christ. What's interesting is I studied this. Initially, the Jews might even say, well, that's, you know, that's fine, Abraham, uh, uh, Paul, what you're saying, that we're not justified by works, but by faith. They're okay with that. But when Paul says not only that, but Abraham was not justified by his circumcision, it confused them. And they said, well, wait, what does it mean to be a Jew then? And Paul is trying to show through Genesis 15, though they might agree with Genesis, in Genesis 15 that, that you're justified by faith. But Paul is trying to show that that justification came 14 years before the sign came. Paul must prove to the Jews that, you see, the gospel is not only for the Jews. They might even agree with that. You're justified not by works, but by faith. You're justified because you're God's people. But they were looking to the sign, and Paul must prove in our text, no, 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 Abraham was justified long before the rings came. Just the same way a guy, he's in love before he gives uh, the ring. Now, this is a beautiful argument uh, that he gives. But here's what I want us to, to look at this morning, to, to, to grasp this. You say, well, why is this important to me? Well, here it is. If we're children of Abraham through faith, through being born again by the Spirit of God and not by works, we must rest on the promises that are signified and sealed in the sacrament, not the sacrament and seals themselves. You must rest in those sacraments, uh, not in those sacraments, but what they, they signify and what they seal. You see, Paul says that we're blessed through being called the bride of Christ to being his people. We are blessed to have the sacraments, the wedding rings, the signs and the seal. But we are not to look to them to find our hope and to find our salvation. Uh, let, me, let me just... Before I give you my points, let me put it this way. Um, when I was dating Mary Beth, and she uh, was 500 miles away at Stetson University, I had this picture of her that I kept by my bed. And uh, I would look at that picture, and uh, it would make me think of her 
Uh, but I didn't kiss the picture. I mean, that's just glass, right? And even if I pulled out the glass, I still wasn't kissing her. And, uh, but you see, what I, what I had was a sign, a, a sign, as it were, of a remembrance of the relationship that I long for, that I long to see. And that is what God has given us uh, in the sacraments. So here's what I want us to see this morning. Uh, three things. The blessing that comes through faith in God's promise. The blessing is for all nations. And this blessing leads to heartfelt obedience. Heartfelt obedience. This, this, blessing, of having, uh, this blessing of having God's grace to enter into the visible church and have the blessing of the signs, but the signs in themselves are not blessings. So here's the first thing to see is this. The blessing that comes through faith in God's promise. There is a blessedness that comes through faith. It's not through signs. It's not through seals. It's not through works. It is through God's promise. Where do we see this? Look at verse 9. Paul says, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Uh, This blessing of being God's people. Is it only for the Jews? Is the gospel only for the Jews? No, he's already said in chapter 1. It's for the Jews first, but it's also to the Gentiles. What does it mean to be blessed? What does that really mean? Are you blessed? Um, sometimes we have to define what these words uh, mean in, in practicality because they, this might be one of those religious words where we say things like, say the blessing, or he's blessed, or that pastor, that sermon, bless me. But what does that really mean? Well, what the, what the Bible means when it talks about being blessed is it's someone who is happy. The Greek word makurion, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, over and over and over talks about blessed Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those uh, who are pure in heart. And, and, but the word ultimately means uh, to be happy. Now Paul uh, is, uh, in the verses right above this, he, he's just gotten through using the word blessed when he talks about David speaking of the person who's blessed. And who's the blessed person? The one who has the sacraments in and of themselves? The one who are baptized, those who are members of a, of a church in good standing. No, in verse 5 he says this. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who just justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. David is saying the blessing is not in works. It's not even in the sacraments. It's not in the sign. It's not in circumcision. Why would David say that? Because he has nothing to point to. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. So how can he say that he is blessed? Well, you're blessed. You're happy. There's this joy that you have when you, like David, understand that it is God who must operate and work on your behalf. 
that your sins are forgiven. That all your sins were imputed to Christ 2,000 years ago. And when you came to Jesus Christ, all of His righteousness is imputed and it is credited into, into your account. And David says, those are the ones who are blessed. Those who live by faith in the work of Christ and what all these signs, what they point to, and that's all they do. He did not find the blessing in and of itself in the signs, in the seals. Let me explain it. Let me put it another way. Um, when, I, when I was uh, in the ninth grade, I, I, I have uh, five older brothers, and a number of them played football, and they earned letter jackets for, for playing football. And if, for y'all that don't know about letters, you have to earn it. And I remember one day it was cold, and I didn't have a jacket, so I grabbed one of my brother's letter, letter, uh, letter jackets when I was in, in the ninth grade. And I remember getting to school, and some of the upperclassmen who had earned their letter told me to take that jacket off because that letter represented their performance. And therefore, I had not earned the right to wear that jacket, I don't care how cold you are. But you see, my brothers, who, whichever one, I can't remember which one it was. I have a bunch of brothers that lettered in football. He was happy for me to wear that jacket. Why? Because I was his brother. And therefore, I could wear what he had earned. And see, this is what the gospel is. It is not the sign, it's not the letter G... Because we can't perform. It is Christ who has performed on our behalf and those sacraments, as it were, are the letter G. But it's His performance that allows us to be clothed in His righteousness. And that's blessing. To be covered by Him. So the blessing comes through faith in God's promise, not in the sacrament in itself. But secondly, see this, that the blessing, though, is for all the nations. It wasn't just for the Jews. The Jews might even have been okay with what Paul had to say to that point until he says that this righteousness is for all. And so the question is, well, then where does that put us as Jews? For our identity is in the ring, not in ultimately in the one who gave the ring, but, but the ring. And so notice what Paul says in answer to this. Look there in your text, beginning with verse 9. What, have we been say- what we have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. But under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was uh, circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised, so that he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. You see, what Paul is saying is, my Jewish brothers, you, you are looking to your circumcision the sign that God gave 
as your salvation, as your identity with God, as knowing God. But, but, but Abraham was justified 14 years before the circumcision. For he says in verse 5 that it is God who justifies the ungodly. Why were we yet sinners and enemies that Christ uh, died? Now here's the way this works. God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham wasn't looking for God. But God made a promise long before Abraham to Adam that through your seed will be the Savior of all men. Long before Abraham. But in God's plan, he calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And if you look through verses 1 through 3, he promises Abraham that through your seed all the nations will be blessed. Well, Abraham had a challenge. Uh, The challenge was that uh, he was old and so was his wife. She was past childbearing years. And so, uh, but he believes God. And, uh, and so, uh, but several chapters pass and there's no baby. Uh, Abraham finds himself in the land of Canaan and he's probably having some doubts about this call. And so then we come to Genesis chapter 15 and God appears to Abraham again. And in Gen- Genesis chapter 15 verse 1, God comes to Abraham and says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I still remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. He's beginning to wane here a little bit. And Abraham said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. And the Lord says to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And then in verse 6, it says that Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So it's in Genesis chapter 15 that God comes again and makes this promise. And Abraham responds to the promise of God not by works because the law was given 430 years after Abraham. But he's also saying God came to him and he was justified before God through faith before there was circumcision 14 years earlier. Because it's not until we come to Genesis chapter 17, and God calls Abraham to receive the sign and seal of what had already happened. And Paul very clearly tells us, So, therefore, Jews, my brothers in the flesh, uh, the gospel really was before there was Jewish people that God called Abraham while he was not Jewish, while he was uncircumcised. Now, let me give you an application, and then we'll come to our last uh, point on this. There are those who believe in baptismal regeneration. 
there are those who believe that uh, unless you're baptized, you can't be saved, or unless you're baptized into this particular denomination that you can't be, be saved. It's called baptismal regeneration, that you're regenerate at the moment of baptism. But you see, this would be contrary to the good news. This would be contrary to the gospel. Because you see, salvation is of the Lord. It is God who calls. It is God who brings us into relationship with Him. And because we're weak in faith, because sometimes we doubt that, sometimes we struggle with that, God has given us two visible signs as a reminder of His promise to the relationship that we already have. Now i got to tell you, this is why marriage is so important. And if you're a Christian, you cannot take your marriage lightly. Why? Because, you see, you gave rings that pledged that the love that you had was one that was real. A love that was unconditional. I'll love you no matter what. You become mentally ill and I'll love you. You become paralyzed and I will love you. You become successful and I love you. You become a failure and I will love you. Whatever it is, I will love you, I will love you, I will love you. And you have that ring right there as a token and pledge of a love that already existed that you must be reminded of your own faithfulness to that pledge. But you see, God has given us signs and seals for us to look outside ourselves and to Him who is faithful in his pledge to you. And he's already shown his pledge through the blood of his son to justify you. The salvation for the Jews, yes, it came to them first, but it's also for the Gentiles because ultimately it is found in Abraham before the son. Well, where's the practical application here? Does that, does that make sense? I mean, we're all children of Abraham. That God is doing something in space and time. And I'll tell you, your sons and daughters of Abraham, not through signs and seals, not through right thinking, but through meeting Jesus Christ. You have to be born again. And, and if you don't know Jesus Christ, then this stuff doesn't matter. I mean, what's a sacrament? I mean, sacraments, okay, that's the traditional thing you do. No, there's signs and seals to those who are born again. And uh, I read this in uh, John... John, uh, John uh, um, Jim Boyce in his commentary, he said that Martin Luther himself, when he was really wrestling at the end of his life about his own salvation, one of the things he kept reminding himself was, I am baptized. And what did he mean by that? God has made his pledge to me and he will not fail because it's by grace you've been saved and that not of yourselves. So the blessing is to all the nations. And the blessing comes, the happiness comes through faith, not works. One last thing to see is this. The, 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 the blessing leads to heartfelt obedience. I really believe this. This blessing of receiving uh, uh, the signs and seals that already are indicators of your relationship with God. It leads to real obedience. You know, we're going we're to eventually get to sanctification, but we're not there yet. God is trying for, Paul is trying to get us to understand, no, listen, if you have a right standing with God, it's because he chose you. It is because of his grace. It has nothing to do with anything you did. Getting baptized, being a good Christian has nothing to do with that. And so, but, but, but here we begin to see, though, that, that, that true faith, a true relationship is not a man or a woman who go, well, you know what, I guess I'm married. 
And I got that contract that says I'm stuck. If that's what binds your marriage together, you don't have much of a marriage. It's better than breaking covenant. But I'll tell you what, here's the real marriage. The real marriage is one where you go, hey, yeah, you know, I don't really, really think about that ring that much. You know what? Because I love you so much. And uh, I know you love me. And so we live life together. And what makes a great marriage is when you love each other so much you want to serve each other. Right? So the blessing leads to heartfelt obedience. Where do we see this? Verse 12. And he then also, he is then also the father of the circumcised who, not are, only, who are not only circumcised but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In other words, what Paul is doing so beautifully here, he's saying, listen, I'm not saying that the Jews are rejected. No, 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 no. Jews are also the people of God, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Why? Because God chose Abraham before circumcision. And God has given us these signs and these seals as reminders. But he also says this, that you are circumcised as a Jew if you walk by faith. Not just because you say, well, I'm circumcised, I'm a Jew. And Jesus dealt with that with the majority of the Jews. God has not cast off his people. But the majority of the Jews didn't see Christ as Savior. And uh, so, they, they, again, they were looking uh, to, to, to the sign. But Paul, Paul says that a, a true Jew is one who, like Father Abraham, responds to his call. Because, you see, Abraham had a relationship with God before he was circumcised. And so, what did God ask Abraham to do for Abraham's own benefit? He asked him to be circumcised. And uh, so, so Ada, Abraham responds in obedience to that 15, 20 years after God had already called him. Now, you're talking about commitment. Now, getting baptized is no big deal. Could you imagine at 70, uh, 80 years old being circumcised? But you see, Paul is trying to say that a true Jew, a true follower of Christ, are those who respond in obedience. And live by faith. So let me, um, let me conclude by asking you this question. Are you responding to the gospel? Now, the Bible teaches that you're justified by faith, right? You're justified by faith. We, uh, we get that. I get, I'm understanding. It's not by works. It's not through circumcision. It's not through sacraments. I'm justified by faith. But you see, the Bible also teaches this, that the just shall live by faith. It's not just a marriage of convenience. It's just not, oh, okay, I'm going to marry that person and maybe I'll get the inheritance. No. It is a marriage that is marked by faithful responding. Again, what is a faithful marriage? Is A faithful marriage is when a husband and wife together grow together. And they continue to grow in putting their faith and their trust, and their love in one another. What does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it mean? Paul is saying a true Jew is one who follows in the obedience of Abraham. 
And what is that obedience? What is the obedience? That you get up and have a quiet time? That you don't smoke, drink, or chew? That you don't lie? That you don't cheat? No. The obedience is you believe the gospel. That after this week, you will come to the Lord's table and you'll say, Lord God, I have not lived as I should, but by faith, I come to you. And you know what? God is pleased with that faith. Because it's not by the works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy that he has saved us. And God is delighted with sinners this morning who would come by faith and put their faith and trust in Christ. Those who by faith would come and receive the sacraments, which is a sign that he already loves you and will feed you and encourage you. One, uh, one last sign that uh, I started thinking about this, uh, those who have adopted children. Um, let me conclude by, by saying that, you know, adoption is, you, you choose somebody that's not your own and, you, and, and then, you, then you make signs and, and contracts that that's my child. And that, 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 that adoption means you're in that family. And that child had nothing to, to say about it. That child is entered in, completely entered in by the grace of that family that enters them in. But you see, if to really understand adoption uh, and God's adoption of us is in, in, in the biblical times when you are adopted into the family of God. Um, well, when you're adopted into any family, you, you could write your own child out of the inheritance, your own flesh and blood out of the inheritance. But you know what? At that biblical time, if you chose one and you adopted them, you could never get rid of them. Why? Because you chose them. And so God has adopted us and we have that sign and seal through these sacraments that he has chosen you. He will never let you go because he's a faithful father to those who believe. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, <clears throat> we thank you for your word. And uh, Father, we are grateful that it reveals to us uh, the, the way of salvation, the way to know you, the way to have a relationship, the way to have our sins forgiven, to be saved and to have newness of life. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the lives of people this morning. Lord, that they might not look to the signs or the seals or to their works, but Lord, that we would look to you and that we would respond in faith in a living relationship with a living Christ. And we ask it in your name. Amen.